and welcome to episode 48 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Kelly. Today is Friday, September 4th, 2020. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. Like Kelly, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. Courtney is having a family emergency, so we are super lucky and we get Kelly back. Yay. You ready for the here? (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hot one here in San Francisco. It is currently fifty five and foggy at our houses, so pretty sure there were large drops of water falling on me this morning in the backyard. Not like rain, just random large drops. I don't Uh, accumulate in the sky and fall to the ground. They've been talking for like all week about how hot it's going to be. They keep claiming it's gonna be hot in the city as well. We shall see. Not not where we live. I don't I I fear we shall forever be in the fog this season i we did have sun yesterday for a little there bit. was a yeah there's a little bit i'm worried that it's going to get really hot but it'll be really smoky out because the smoke keeps coming back and, it wasn't um, too bad this morning but yesterday was no it doesn't feel smoky today i took the dog out oh the dog i took the dog out for a walk i have a new yeah, family yeah. member got a new dog <laughs> she's so cute I do. I can't actually put her down on the ground yet, but I took her out for a walk <laughs> carrying her. <laughs> They're very short walks right now. That's fine. Yeah. She's, tiny. She's, just, she's just, she's, she doesn't want any treats when we're out. She just is sniffing the air and looking around. It was pretty cool. It was good. Socialize that puppy. New things are exciting. All right. And we've got kids back to school. Well, almost. I've only got one back. The other one starts Tuesday, finally. Oh, nice. Yep. Great. Mine are both back. It's good to have a schedule, I think after after not it's good to see my kids before noon (laughs) (laughs) sleeping in going on (laughs) all right well let's check in on our schedule we will have on the needles on the easel well (laughs) on the whatever (laughs) it's kind of like an easel on my workbench (laughs) there we go perfect on the workbench on the table on the nightstand and our final bingo update so on the needles I actually first I wanted to say I'm I don't know if you are a longtime listener you might remember last year I went to the Lambtown Festival which happens in Dixon California every October and it's a little fiber fair and it's farm country so there's actual sheep and they do sheep shearing and sheep dog trials and all that fun stuff and they usually do classes and have a marketplace which is what I'm more interested in this year obviously it is not happening in person but they are doing virtual ones and they have three teachers that are doing virtual classes and they're really well known Um, so I'm super excited and I've signed up for two of those I think they have five different workshops three of them are spinning based which I am not a spinner I'm not even gonna say I'm not a spinner yet I tried it I have enough yarn (laughs) there's so many things I want to knit um, but I'm going to be taking Textile Traditions of Peru with Abby Frankamont, which I think sounds Ooh. cool. I and, just thought of like all fuzzy alpaca warm sweaters. <laughs> yeah, and she, I think she's from there. She lives there now. Um, and her, she and her father both have done, you know, years of research into the textile traditions. So it should be really interesting. Oh, and yeah. then I'm also Great. taking Dying, Dying with Lichens oh. with Judith which, and I've never done dyeing, so I've always been kind of interested, and Judith McKenzie is kind of a name in the knitting world, so I was pretty excited to get a chance to do that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Ooh, I, if you want to dye, I have a lot of my macrame cord that I've been just mm. listing little tidbits about dyeing and how to dye. And Interesting. I'll dye some cord if you want to dye some yarn. Yeah, you might have to. I don't know how it works, but. Yeah, well, I'll let you know after I <laughs> do my work. <laughs> Um, but the point is, those signups are available now, and the classes are September 25th and 26th, 24th and uh, end of September. So if you are interested, you could check those out. And I mean, they're virtual, so I imagine that you can still sign up, and they'll take however many people want. But I don't know, but you should check it out. And that's at lambtown.org, and the link will also be on our show notes. So I'm looking forward to that. That sounds like a really cool event. Yeah, I'm excited. And I think they're going to have an online marketplace as well. So that's always fun. And, you know, to sort of support your local vendors, although I've been doing that quite a bit lately <laughs> with the Bay Area Fiber Fair because everyone is posting cute things. And yeah. Is that going on right now? 
That is going on right now. That is it started last month and it goes through October. We start in August. So they have online challenges and prizes and pins and stickers and so it's been fun. Cool. Good way to support the local community. As far as actual knitting, I did a hat. <laughs> that was not on my um in my plans. For my, I, I realized I was getting behind again on my charity hats, so I knit the July hat by Courtney Kelly, and that's part of that. It's a free series of hat patterns from Kelborn Woolens that they did to promote their yarn, but it's, uh, there's one hat a month, so this one was the July hat, and I actually knit it for my July hat, so that was kind of fun. And I used Cascade 220 in a silver gray um, because I had it in stash, and I'm still trying to get rid of it. It was a cool pattern. I mean, it was pretty simple and it ends up with, you, with texture, you end up with uh, giant triangles going in opposite directions. And then the decreases for the top also are the triangles. So it looked, ended up looking really cool. And again, blocking is an amazing thing because it looked a little squishy and weird when I finished it, but then I blocked it and it looked lovely. So that was done, super easy. I think that took me like not even a day. Hats are great, especially in worsted or DK, whatever the, the cascade is. And then I still have my two mystery knit along shawls that I'm working on. The first one is The Sharon Show by Casapinka. And that is a four color shawl that is currently at about 46 inches long and we'll be getting another 14 inches or so. So it is, it is amazing. The pattern writing is hilarious. Her cat is sponsoring the whole thing and organizing. So <laughs> cat, <laughs> it's, I mean, obviously it's not actually the cat, I'm assuming, but so this is the one with all the, the pattern sections are titled things like knocking glasses off high shelves. Uh, oh, I like. <laughs> and dogs are here to serve us. So. <laughs> It's really funny and there's been some great patterns and with the four colors, it just switches up all the time. And each section of the shawl is about 12 to 16 rows. So you do a section and then you move on. And so you don't get bored. And then she's always switching up the colors and then she'll have a section that's maybe just straight stripes. So there's no, no thinking involved other than remembering to change the yarn colors. I've really been enjoying that. I think we've got the fifth clue just came out today, and then I think we've got one more after that. And this is the one that um, includes a different drink recipe, cocktail recipe. <laughs> Ooh. So a color and a, and a drink recipe for each, each week or whatever the schedule is? It doesn't change colors each week. It changes colors every 12 rows, and you get okay. three or four sections each time. So you'll have like maybe a pink section. So one clue will be a pink section in a textured stitch and then like for my colors and then a blue and a gray stripes mm -hmm. and a combo. So it varies between texture and color work and just straight sections. So it's, it's a fabulous, fabulous bit of knitting fun. I think um, one of the, I don't know a lot about knitting and I don't knit, but I listen to you talk about knitting all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the things that seems really cool is that you have these like ways to build the community where you're you're doing a pattern and a clues is released and you follow that clue and you're doing this and a bunch of other people are doing it and it's kind of a mystery and it's kind of fun and then I don't know if you meet other knitters through those things but I just think it's a it's a cool way to have a craft yeah it is and and part of it is seeing what other people have chosen because everybody picks four different colors I mean you pick your own for your own style so you can see other other ideas you know, and there might be colors that you would, you personally would never pick, but it looks amazing. And so that's good. Yeah. And then a lot of them have with Ravelry, most people are still able to get onto it. All I still have not made any substantial changes that I'm aware of. So people have Ravelry groups for the mystery and alongs. And um, a lot of people do form really deep friendships through these communities. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I don't, I don't see that in the the, in, in other in other crafts except maybe like a, a quilting seems to have yeah because they a community that goes with it yeah I feel like Courtney has found a pretty good painting yeah. online yeah you're right but as far as I know knitting is the only one that has that something like Ravelry which is so huge mm -hmm. 
but I mean, that is my only, <laughs> my only craft. So if there are other ones, I don't really know. <laughs> and then um, my other one is the Tewenua by Francoise Denoy, who is Aurora Nitz. It's a mystery knit along with Lady Di Yarns, and there's a crochet version as well. And this is the one where I had always wanted to knit one of her patterns, but they're pretty, her regular for sale patterns are generally pretty intense and involved, and I haven't, haven't dove in yet on those. I'm really enjoying the mystery knit along. We've had two clues so far. The third one just arrived. The yarn for this is this beautiful blue-green, leaning more towards the green. Her shawl is based on land. So there's going to be four sections because there's four clues and each one is a different lace pattern. It's going to be a triangular shawl. So that's fun as well. They're not, ter- again, not terribly complicated, but you do have to pay a little more attention on this one. But fairly fairly easy to get into the, the groove of knitting. And I wasn't expecting this third clue to arrive yesterday. And so I'm like having to decide which shawl I'm going to work on first. But I am not working on either of them right now because I am doing a hat for a friend <laughs> turning 50. <laughs> oh, what could that be? It's hard to figure out what to get someone for their 50th when they're, you know, a good friend. You could go to the store and get them something, but that doesn't feel personal. You can find good things, but I am not a great shopper shopper, so. Well, I think your knitted gifts are the best gifts ever. Uh, all, all of my friends who oh, craft the gifts that come from them, no matter what they are, it's just always such a great treat. Well, thanks. So That's I know that it's beautiful. I've already seen what it's going to look like, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Beautiful. Yes, I asked Kelly for approval. So I'm knitting the Abington hat by Jennifer Lassonde, who is Boston Jen. The yarn is Bolan hand-dyed in Ireland, and it's her Donegal tweed in the Temptress colorway, which is the um, a good one. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Every 50-year-old wants to feel still like a temptress. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> but I got this yarn two years ago, I think, at Stitches West. It was just one of those random skeins that I thought looked beautiful and I had never used before. And I, I'd never really used tweed yarn before. This one's kind of shiny. So I thought, I'll buy it. I'll, you know, do something with it. And then this hat pattern came out and it's gorgeous. It's got all these cables on the front. And when I looked at it, I, it was in a tweed yarn. I was like, oh, I think that's the same yarn that I bought. And I've been thinking that up until the time I actually wound the yarn. Realized it was not the same, but it's a tweedy yarn. Same weight, so it'll be fine. So I'm probably about halfway through with that. The whole thing is in, or the, the back half of the hat is in pearl stitch, reverse stockinette, which is not my favorite. It's a lot of purling. So that makes it go slowly. And then there's lots of ribbing to make the cables on the front. So it's super fun because cables are always fun, but it is slightly more slow going than the other hat that I made. But <laughs> yarn is amazing. It feels so nice. The color is gorgeous. Cables are lovely. So I'm super excited. And it's, you know, a birthday present. So I don't mind putting a little little extra work into it. I like how textured it, it looks. And it's all the cables and the... Little, yeah, and little bits. It's just really cute. Yeah, I think she'll like it. I think it's nice. It's I think it's kind of fancy looking. I did not realize I thought the cables went all the way around. So I was a little bit bummed about that. But I think if they did, then it would be too much. So I think this will be good. And it's been perfect weather out for a hat. <laughs> this is true. Well, and she's she's a skier and whatnot. So I think mm-hmm. she will definitely get used out of it. For sure. Yeah. And then the other one I'm working on is my Sockhead Slouch Hat by Kelly McClure. And that is in the Knit Circus Opulence in Badger Track Stripes, which is a red and white gradient. It starts off mostly red with little white blobs and then gradiates. Is that a word? Gradiate? I'm making it a word. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Gradiates. <laughs> you your point across. Yeah. <laughs> so then it turns, it turns white with red blobs at the end? Exactly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it looks really cool. And I had bought a skein in purple and gold when my first son started high school because those are his colors. And then luckily they had discontinued this line, but they had a couple of skeins kicking around because my second son's high school is red and white. I was able to grab a skein. I don't know if I'll ever get to go to a sporting event for his school, but (laughs) we will. We will. They're just starting. Someday. Someday. He's got four more years, right? We will get there. So that one's my kind of my zoom knitting 
because it's just straight stock and net. I think I'm almost at the part where I can start doing the decreases because it is, it is a lot of stock and net. So I'm actually pretty surprised at how far along I am, but I have been doing get back to school night and I had some other things. So, so that is my knitting. I have been um, kind of all but over the place. Been Did busy. Yeah. So that is on my knitting kind of all over the place. It's good. I'm happy. And I wound some yarn for a sweater. So is that a project might... coming up? Yeah. So that'll be coming up because I was all caught up on both of my shawls. I thought I needed another project and, and those are almost done as well. There's only, well, I just got the second to last clue for both of them. So, uh -huh. so yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. What is on the uh, work table? Well, there've been, the work table was a little empty for a while there. I lost inspiration that last month of summer, kind of had to make myself do stuff. And I, I think on Pinterest, I saw these little mini pot and pot hangers. I haven't been inspired to do a plant pot hanger. One, cause I, I don't know if I'd hang one in my own home. Not that I don't like them. Anyways, these little ones were really cute. So I started making a ton of little ones. And they're really, only, they're like a foot and a half tall and the pot, like a little terracotta pot. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I could have bought probably 12 terracotta pots, but it was cheaper if I bought 30. So I, <laughs> I bought 30. So everyone should expect one, a little mini pot hanger this year <laughs> for me. You know, what was funny is I was, I was really thinking that I would like to sell my stuff at some point, but I, I'm not that productive at, at this point yet. And I, I don't think I'm really good enough yet. But our neighborhood started a farmer's market on Sunday and I went to the first one and there was a woman there that had like everything that I wanted to do in her little booth and all the different colors and it was so cute. And I was like, oh, someone beat me to it. <laughs> but then I was like, well, wait a minute. There's a plenty. Of, there's plenty of places to do those things. And I'm not ready to do it now anyway, but it was inspiring. Was this the macrame woman? Yeah, the macrame woman. I was super impressed with her booth. It was really cute. I liked all the colors and I don't tend to use a lot of color. And then she had something that was really original. A lot of the stuff are, you know, patterns that we, that we see in macrame, but she did a Golden Gate Bridge pattern that was really cute. And I think that that was hers. And I've not seen that anywhere. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, she had some hangings that had, it was, it was really cool. It was yeah. really cool. I don't know, has she, I haven't made it back to the farmer's market. I don't remember seeing her. Okay. But um, anyways, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And so then I've been trying to get back on the macrame thing. And so, I, but anyways, I've made a handful and given most of them away, mini pot hangers. They're like a foot and a half long and, you know, mm -hmm. a two inch in diameter terracotta pot goes in them. So perfect for like a little succulent or like a sweet pea, you know, those little pea hanging plants would look cute in there. Mm -hmm. And then we have a friend who's turning 50. <laughs> and as a child of the nine of 1970, I thought, well, wouldn't a macrame be perfect? So I found a pattern that I liked and I've tweaked it enough to make it a little different and make it my own. And so I've, I've been working on that. And there's just some things that come out great and some things that I have to keep unnodding and trying again. And I don't know if it's a left, right thing. I think moving from left to right for me, or even... If I'm on the left side of a project and I'm going this way, it all comes out great. But I'm on the right side of a project. It's just, I don't know what it is. If it's my lead hand on that side, it never comes lefty, out. Right? I'm a lefty. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't come out quite right. So I'm constantly like trying to go slower. I'm a rusher. I like to get things done. I like to be efficient, <laughs> but it's not efficient when you have to keep taking your knots out. So I'm just trying to find that calm meditative place which I think, you know, I think in once someone has honed their craft, they can kind of be there. And knitting seems to be something that you can kind of do and not necessarily think about every moment of it. Yeah. So I've been trying to slow down. I think not being outside with all the smoke and not being outside and socializing with COVID, it's kind of knocked the wind out of me. This past August has not been so much fun, but, um, so trying to get back to the, to that peaceful place with the macrame. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. 
I, I think it looks pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know if she's a macrame gal, but she was born in 1970, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I could see. I could see her having it. I think so. It's not big, so it's not going to be overwhelming. Um, but it's just a wall hanging in two different colors and two different yeah. size of cord, which most people don't do that. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a thing. I keep buying string or cord that comes and it's not what I thought it would be. And I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning and finding a supplier that I like. Yeah, that is part so, of the process. Yeah, it is. I just got some really pretty colors, but then it turned out to be way too small. I thought I was getting four millimeter and it looks more like two. Hmm. So I need to find the right person um, and then just get a bunch of stuff. But I wanted to just put a shout out to my daughter who's been crocheting. I wish I could show you the hat that she made because you were talking about your hat. She crocheted a hat just yesterday. She's been making these top, these crochet tops for her friends. And I think she's made over $600 this summer. Wow. Yeah. You can talk about that. <laughs> and it's just a really cool, like she started making it, these tops and they kind of look like bikini tops that go a little longer down to your waist. They're still shorter than a full length top. And then they kind of crisscross strap in the back. And she's just been doing them in all sorts of different colors for her friends and selling them off of Instagram. It was definitely not a top that I could be seen wearing. So I had her make me the mom version. And I just, I'll, oh, show, you awesome. I'll show you the mom version. So I've got a little bit thicker strap and mine's more of like a, a straight across front. I don't know if you can see. Can okay, see? Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. And then mine in the back <gasps> has really thick. It's all laced up. It's laced up in the back, but it's really thick and it laces up pretty solid. So you're not seeing a whole lot of flesh. Yeah, flesh. <laughs> I would be worried about things poking out. Yes. Yeah, so mine goes all the way to my hips and it's a little bit of a fit at the top and flare with a little bit thicker straps, but it laces up the back. So that was kind of fun. I, I said, okay, I'll buy you this stash of yarn, but you got to make me a top. Nice. So I've yeah, for my knitting people, it reminds me of a Jessie Made Designs, one of her tops. Um, they're similar to that. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And she just gets measurements from girls and makes them and, and her and her dad have been driving around the city, delivering them. And it's pretty cool. And it sounds like she's charging a reasonable amount for her. For her yeah, work. she was, she wasn't sure how much. It doesn't take her so long anymore. I think she's nailed the pattern and the, she has to adjust the size of the you know, the bra cup for, from girl yeah. to girl. I wish she'd take pictures of all of them on the girls and like keep them. But she's like, oh no, mom, they just come up on Instagram and I see them and then they're gone. And I'm like, well, don't you want like a catalog of different things? And she's like, no, it's just Instagram. It's how it works. So they come and they go. <laughs> I'd love to see a bunch of girls in them. She's done red and white. Then they're all two tones. So there's like a thin colored border around the, the majority of the top. Anyways. I'm super proud of my, my crafty daughter who loves to crochet. Yeah, that's awesome. And crochet is faster than knitting in general. Yeah, I think she lost patience when she was younger with knitting and just kind of went this route and just has been able to really excel doing it. And when I think of crochet, I, I kind of think of grandmas and I look at this top she's making and it's, it's not a grandma top. <laughs> not a grandma top. Not grandma. Not that grandmas are bad. Grandmas are great. Yes. <laughs> no, people think that way about knitting too. So. And, and this is, is true. And there are some cool. very cool things that are not. Yes. So. Cool. All right. On table. I signed up for another class. I'm like all of a sudden taking classes. This one is a food styling class. So oh, cool. I know. I was like, well, that sounds great. And it's with El Simone Scott, who is part of Milk Street Kitchen. And I had watched an interview with her and Bryant Terry that I talked about a few episodes ago. So apparently now I'm stalking her. This is through Pineapple Collaborative. I forget how I got on their email list. They do, they're in a couple different cities and they used to do in-person events. They're kind of food related and women empowerment, women chefs, that kind of thing. And I never gone to one of their events, but online and sounded kind of cool. Food styling. And that one is, I think, September 6th. So you might still be able to sign up for that one as well. And I'll put the link in the show notes again. When they uh, sent out their last group of classes, uh, is it through the Milk Street? No, or is it's it through something else. Something else. Pineapple Collaborative. Okay. Okay. I, when, it, when Milk Street sent out their last group of classes, I'm like, I should just text Monica because we should take a class together. 
Oh yeah, we should. But we yeah. should. Yeah. I did this time around, but so far I haven't been super excited about their offerings. I was getting their emails. I feel like I haven't seen one in a while. Oh my gosh. Because I get like way too many every day. So we'll, we'll need to look into that. Definitely. Anyway, so that one's coming up and then maybe my Instagram photos are just going to be extra amazing. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> but it did sound interesting. And she was going to talk about, there seemed to be kind of a, a cultural appropriation component to it and respecting food traditions. And so a lot of, a lot of different things, not just how to make the food look pretty, which is also important. Yeah. So I've kind of, kind of been going back into my my food history comfort food from the recipes that i haven't made in a while that were kind of from my favorite my favorite chefs and whatnot i made a salmon salad that's a one of the first recipes that i made from dinner a love story uh, jenny rosenstarch and this is one it's pile of lovely summer vegetables and grilled salmon and you mix it all together and there's a dressing the idea behind it is also that you can serve all the components separately. So if you have little kids or a vegetarian husband, <laughs> you can keep it things separate. Um, but it's got tomatoes and green beans and potatoes and corn. And so I did the salmon separately, obviously. And then he had some of that baked tofu that you can get in the, or at least it's in the, the vegetable department in our grocery store. Yeah, I know the one you mean. So that was delicious. And I hadn't made it in a while, so that was fun. So then I've, I'm kind of, I haven't made so many of them so far, but I've got a, a bunch of her recipes kind of back on my rotation in the coming weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. And I did make the Dole Whip that I talked <gasps> about last time. And it was... Ooh, is that your Disney recipe? That or? was my Disney recipe, yeah. <laughs> Yum. That was delicious. Mine was not, I don't know what what I didn't have, maybe not enough ice cream, maybe not enough pineapple. It was not, it was not soft serve. It was more soupy, but I put it in a bowl and it was delicious. delicious. <laughs> oh, good. And actually my store, Andronica's never had frozen pineapple, which is very upsetting. So I did end up having They've to buy- They've been out of frozen pineapple since about March. I don't okay. know. I think people are making smoothies. I guess, but it's never like they'll fill it up. It's got mangoes and strawberries and blueberries and all even, of- even Safeway's been low on, like, if you go on the day they get the pineapple, it's there. Otherwise, it's gone. Well, I have not been on the day, apparently. Yeah. So I did buy canned pineapple and freeze it, which, I mean, it worked. Oh, you can buy fresh pineapple and freeze it, too. Yes. That seems complicated. <laughs> 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 that would probably be delicious. Maybe I'll remember to do that next <laughs> but I did manage to do that. And then I went back into Vegetable Kingdom and made squash sandwiches. So you pan fry zucchini and yellow squash, or I guess you could do just one or the other, whatever worked for you. But a summer squash of some kind. And then you also make a broccoli dill spread, which Courtney talked about when we did the review. And that was pretty delicious. My husband loved that. We had leftovers of that. So he was using that for lunches for most of the rest of the week. It was a little heavy on the dill for me. I like dill. I think I could could have backed off of it on that, Um, but it was really cool. And then I did quick pickled peppers as well, which added a nice spark to the whole thing. Um, And what else was in there? Tomato. There was a lot of stuff going on. And usually when I do sandwiches, it's pretty, pretty basic. So actually taking the time and doing all the components and putting them all together was a revelation. Sounds good. And my kids ate them. I think my husband would go vegetarian if that's what I would cook. I think it's what he wants to do, but he does not want to cook. So yeah, so it it was it would I mean it was work, but it was it wasn't too bad. And I just had to I had to be aware that that I had scheduled the sandwich for that night, and I needed to do components. I think maybe I did it on the weekend too, so I I had some more time to to prep things out. So then by the time we got to dinner, it was just a matter of and frying the squash. So yeah, that worked out pretty well. And then I made more beans and I got out my Instant Pot too. I did not get out the Instant Pot for the beans. I made a sweet potato tortilla soup, which was delicious. That sounds great. Where was that from? That was from Pinch of Yum. (laughs) You know how you like, you either pin recipes or, you know, save them somehow and then they just go off and vanish and you never (laughs) look at them again. I actually went back and looked through my, my pins. And this was in there and and I hadn't pulled out my Instant Pot in a while. We've been having a little bit of warmer weather, so I figured that would be a good way to not have to turn on the stove, but still have a a nice comforting meal. That was a hit in the family. Oh, and that was one of the ones where they have you like slice tortillas and bake them. Actually, I think I actually fried those 
own sprinkle on top. Yeah, that is is kind of a I think a, an easy way to get a a little boost to a tortilla soup instead of using regular chips. Make your own. Doesn't and if you're short on time, you could use store made chips. Yeah. <laughs> But if you have the time and need a little boost, it was kind of fun and delicious. Although I had to stop the kids coming in and snacking on <laughs> while I'm making them. Like, no, wait, that's for dinner. And I made more beans. So that was very exciting. So I'm kind of on a bean roll. Feeling what beans good. did you make? These are just black beans um, that I got from my produce box. Um, they have a, you can pick your produce, but then they also have a kind of a grocery selection. You can get organic meats and they have cheeses. And then I found a dried bean section. So... I tried those. Who's your box from? I'm sure you've said, but remind me. Oh, I don't know if I've said in a while. Eating with the Seasons. Ooh. They are down in Salinas, I think. Somewhere in the Central Valley. Uh-huh. Uh, and I flanked them. Do they deliver to you or do you go pick your box up? No, I go pick it up. Yeah, I think um, now that I'm back to work, summer is over. I think that it's time for a box. Yeah, it's good. It's one of those ones you pick your size and you get points and then you choose what produce you want. That's what I like to choose. And you my can product. always add in more stuff. In the spring they had, because the chickens were laying so many eggs, you could add in eggs every week. For the summer they have extra strawberries. So I've been getting that. We'll see what comes in the fall. I don't know, but it's good. And then they also have some other organic produce and they have some pre-made meal things that they make on their farm and so it's a, it's a good variety and the produce for the most part has been really good every, I mean every once in a while you get something that's not 100% awesome but it's still better than what you get at the happens in party. my garden as well yeah. <laughs> so I have been been liking that one so I made the beans we had nachos for dinner and then lunch and then my husband eats the beans for breakfast usually so black beans are so good with a scrambled egg Oh, yeah, that's true. I should do that too. Onions and scrambled egg with black beans. So good. Yes, I'm really liking liking the bean thing now. How about you? What's on your table? So like I was saying, August was sort of uninspired, but my husband has been fishing and caught a 30-pound salmon. That thing was huge. It was massive. I mean, I have never in my life seen a fish that anybody caught that was that big. It was half his size. (laughs) It was huge. (laughs) So the nice thing that came along with my man catching his fish is my man wants to cook that fish himself. Perfect. So, and my man does not cook, really, except for eggs sometimes, if we're lucky. So he's been making a lot of, we've done salmon with like, I, I, and I don't even pay attention. Like I have to leave the kitchen because I just want him to figure it out on his own. So he's been following recipes, which is pretty exciting. We've had honey garlic salmon we've had butter and lemon and whatever herb we have a lot of oregano in the garden salmon we did miso salmon the best thing i think he made was we did salmon cakes like a crab cake but with salmon they were outstanding outstanding and perfectly cooked nice what did those combine those were delicious and then we had he made like a slaw and so it was like a slaw on the bottom with a salmon cake on top. And it was just the perfect meal and everybody just loved it. And then they, what was great about those is that they stayed so well. And then you could eat them for the next couple of days. Cause I think the amount of salmon that we used to make the cakes made maybe 10 or 12 salmon cakes. And they were, you know, decent size, like a hamburger patty size. Oh, wow. They were a perfect meal and we had a ton of them and they lasted for a few days and they stayed well in the fridge. So everybody was happy too to go back for more. It was like the best leftovers we've ever had. So that was really exciting. Myself, I had pulled a couple of the favorite things that I've made in the last couple of weeks. We did spring rolls, you know, kind of like every so often you end up with a lot of stuff in the fridge and no one's eating it. And you're like, okay, what can I do with all this stuff? So I made all the leftover stuff spring rolls. So we had some steak, I think, that was pretty fresh, still in the fridge. And we had some chicken. Oh, and I had some frozen shrimp from our summer vacation. So I sauteed up some shrimp. So we had like three different meats and then all the vegetables I had in the fridge, I prepared so that we could stick them in spring rolls with the rice noodles. And then it's like roll your own homemade peanut sauce like we made in the class we took back right. in the days when you could go places and do things as a group. That's <laughs> and, such a good um, it's such a good meal and everybody enjoys it and it's social. I have to sit at the table because <laughs> you can't take all that stuff in front of a movie. So that was really fun. So we had 
kind of kind of leftover spring rolls, but you know, took what I had in the fridge and made something really yummy with it. So that was nice. And then I'm getting the Milk Street magazine. Ooh. I was just flipping through. This is the July August one and there was a green beans like never before recipe and I love green beans and I am a true diehard fan of the Jacques Pepin, Julia Child, green bean recipe and their cookbook of them together. It's an old book that I've had and I've always loved. It's like five minute parboil, five minute saute, put some salt on it, best green beans ever. But I found this recipe and it may have changed my, it's, those are perfect, perfect plain green beans. This is a Spanish green bean recipe with ham, almonds, and smoked paprika. And then you see in the picture there, there's this beautiful poached egg on top. (laughs) And it was, it was a meal and it was so light, but filling. And so you, you perfectly cook your green beans. And then I didn't have Serrano ham lying around, but I did have some bacon. So I used bacon. I, you could have, I could have used prosciutto, but I didn't have any prosciutto. And I really wanted this badly right then. So I had the green beans, I had the eggs, we had some bacon, and then the toasted slivered almonds. Mm. It was so good. So it was just a big bed of perfectly cooked green beans with a smoky paprika kind of sauce you pour on at the end. And you kind of cook the green beans so that they get a little grilled. So you've got some char marks on them. So they're kind of toasty themselves and then smoky with the paprika and the toasted almonds add to that flavor and then the poached egg on top, and it was delicious. So that is my new favorite green bean recipe. I may need to come borrow that magazine because one, I still need to read a new magazine for my bingo, and two, I just got a pound of green beans in my produce box, and I'm not sure what to do. Yes, but if you want to read the whole magazine, you know what? I'm so glad that you just said that because it didn't even occur to me that that was my new magazine, and that's one of my spots that I'm like, well, I didn't really read any magazines this summer that are new to me, but yes, I have. Yeah another square crossed off. Excellent. Um, And then two other things that I, or actually I was going to mention three other things. I love Smitten Kitchen. I love it so much. In fact, my (laughs) friend Renee, she's all, do you know Smitten Kitchen? And I'm like, oh, do I know Smitten Kitchen? Like that's been the cookbook I've, or her, her blog post. This is what I've been cooking from all summer long. uh, Yeah. And then off of her blog, whatever recipes pop up there, but she um, posted a recipe or I dug through her stuff and found the chopped salad with feta lime and mint. Ooh! I didn't have all the vegetables that she mentioned, but I did have, you know, what was in my fridge that day. And I ended up like parboiling some broccoli. So it's just perfectly crispy, but not, you know, fully cooked in any way. And I did green beans and we can grow carrots here. So I think I pulled up a couple carrots from my bo- uh, garden box and feta and lime and mint dressing. And you just kind of have everything cooked, but crunchy still. Not everything. The cucumbers, of course, don't cook. Um, but it was so light and so fresh. And both my husband and my daughter, one of my daughters was like, oh, that's dinner. And then they started eating it. And they're like, this is so good. And they went back for thirds. So it was really great. I've made it twice. It's just fresh. It's light. It's perfect for our, this heat wave that we're going to have. <laughs> <laughs> and then this week, I've been going into our school to help distribute computers. And I needed to take lunch one day because I had to be there all day. So I took the salad and decided I'd heat it up in the microwave because most of the vegetables I had put in there, I could mm-hmm. reheat. I forgot about the cucumbers. Don't ever mm-hmm. cook a cucumber and eat it. It's not good. <laughs> Apparently, but, um, there is a French way of doing it, though, that's delicious. I think it involves okay. cream, so... Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't reheat in the microwave. <laughs> but anyways, I re I heated it up and added a little pesto to it. I like to make sure that I eat all the food that's in my fridge, but it was, it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. I'll have um, to check that one out. Mint is a big favorite in my household. So yeah. And she uses a lot of radishes that my daughters don't like, but my husband does. So I haven't put radishes in mine yet, but I think that my husband and I would really like it with the radish and maybe not a lot of radish, but a little bit of radish because that's another fresh, crunchy vegetable. And then tarts. I've been buying some puff pastry and then just kind of whipping up, whipping up stuff on the top, just looking in the fridge. What do I have that I can put on top of? I think one day I made more of a cream to go on top of the puff pastry, but this week my daughter did it and she did a ricotta and feta 
an herb spread and then we took more carrots from the garden and just roasted the carrots and then placed those on top and it was delicious and that was inspired by a new york times carrot tart recipe that's the other place i've been going for all my recipes this summer so the smitten kitchen or um smitten kitchen blog post in the new york times mm. i did a roasted butternut squash last night Ooh, always from, good. it was good but the, the key thing and this was because your carrot made me think of it when you finished it you coated them with a spicy honey oh that would be good with the carrots and stuff that would be a nice little finish yeah my and my kids have always been big carrot eaters both raw and cooked and we do like to do carrot with honey saute yeah so the spicy yeah so spicy would be good now that they're a little older they can handle yeah. a little more spice and it wasn't spicy spicy it was just that kind of warmth and not yeah super hot yeah that green bean recipe kind of has that warmth without being spicy but has that kind of kick to it that's yeah. that's really nice and then the last thing that we made and something we've been trying to do because the show bob's burgers has been a theme in our house since March. <laughs> we're still not finished watching all of them, but I have to say that weekly we're watching a few episodes as a family. I think I mentioned to you before I got the Bob's Burger Burger cookbook yes. for Christmas. And last night we made the Blondes Have More Fungus Burger, which I have mixed feelings about. It was good. So you saute mushrooms and make a spicy coconut mushroom curry oh. to put on top of it, but it was, it was so wet and drippy. And I know you're supposed to cook it down so that it reduces and gets thicker, but it never really got thick enough, even though it was pretty thick. It just, it made for a very messy burger, a delicious burger, but a messy burger. And now my fingernails are yellow from the turmeric <laughs> and the curry and all my kitchen utensils that I used. Even the black spatula has a yellow tinge to it. So I do recommend the Bob's Burger book if you are a fan of burgers. It's a fun, it's, it's fun. And you can watch the episode if you want the night you make that burger. Cool. So that's been kind of fun. Yeah. So that's what's been on my table. That sounds delicious. All right. On the nightstand. In a mixed bag these past two weeks. My first two books were wah, wah, but I did want to talk about them. First, Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. Ah. This is the Edward Cullen version of Twilight. It was like 500 pages of him thinking how much he wants to kill her. And that gets a little bit repetitive and boring after a while. <laughs> so there were, there were a few points in the story that Bella is entirely off screen. So things happen that don't happen in the original. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting. Like at the end of it where she's unconscious after the final attack, you find out how they orchestrate so that they don't get caught having a big vampire fight. And right get her safely to the hospital and whatnot so that like it's kind of interesting but Not mostly it was a lot of teen angst so I, there was a lot of skimming going on like okay yep yep i know what's happening yep yep she's beautiful she's amazing yep yep <laughs> got it moving on that's was, too bad yeah i mean probably if i was 20 years younger i might find it more interesting <laughs> or even how old am i now i don't want to talk about 30 years younger i might <laughs> find it really good well we liked them all the first time around yeah no that's true and it was it was I've good, read them and they were. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you're a big fan, you might want to check it out. Or if you're a teen girl, you might want to check it out. But <laughs> otherwise, let it go. No, no need to rush. And I got it from the library. I got it really fast from the library, too, which I oh. found very odd. And then the next one that was wah -wah was The Darwin Affair by Tim Mason, which I got because from the library. They were doing like a multi-library book read. And so this was available immediately as either an ebook or an audiobook and unlimited number of people could get it and no waiting so that they could have discussions everywhere. So I said, hey, all right, I'll check it out. And it sounded kind of interesting. It's a Victorian murder mystery. It takes place right after On the Origin of Species has come out. And so there's supposed to be some Darwin plot going on. So it sounded interesting. It was more serial killer based than I like and less Darwin, less science-y. So the, the author brought in a lot of interesting historical bits, but then would keep switching back to the serial killer and his point of view. And I don't, uh, you know, I don't care. That's not what I want to read. I want the mystery. I want, you know, the solving of the crime. I don't really, I don't really care what the serial killer has to think. But that's me. I know some people really like that. So 
that one I ended up doing a lot of skimming and I'm glad I made it all the way. I, I almost, that one I almost gave up on and then I kept reading and it got a little, little bit better, but generally a lot of skimming. So that was The Darwin Affair by Tim Mason. My next one was good, Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. She wrote Upright Women Wanted, which I talked about a few episodes ago, which was the futuristic old Western lesbian library and revolutionaries, which was super fun. <laughs> it's such a bizarre. It is. I read, I read, I didn't finish it, but I started it and was so confused because I think <laughs> I, I knew it came from you. So I wanted to listen to it and it went with my librarian theme that I was on. Oh, but right. I had, right. For, I had forgotten what it was that I was like, I am so confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. This one is less confusing, I think. So this one is, this one is a full length book. The Upright, like, Upright Women Wanted is pretty short. Mm-hmm. Far, more full length. Ivy is a private investigator. She's been doing it for 14 years. She's quite good at it. Has made a life for herself. But it's mostly, you know, following cheating spouses and deadbeat parents and, you know, so kind of basic PI stuff. She's never done a murder investigation. And so a woman who is the head of a private school in the area. Oh, and it takes place in the Bay Area, too. So I like that. Always fun. Comes and says there's been a strange death at her school and they did an internal investigation. It came back as an accident, but she doesn't think it's an accident. And would she help? And so she wants to do it. The problem is this is the school where Ivy's estranged twin sister teaches. And it is a school for magic. It's like a high school for magic. Some people have magic. Ivy's sister is one of those people. So she went away as a teenager to boarding school to learn magic. Ivy does not have magic. So there's been tension. But this is kind of her one chance to get involved in a murder investigation and prove she's a real PI. So there's a good you know, murder or not murder, we don't really know, investigation there. And a lot of the sisters getting back together and the tension between them. So there's the family relationship. So really, I, I like Sarah's writing style. I feel like both of their books are realistic, but with this extra something, but not not a crazy whole created fantasy world. It's really, I mean, it is taking place. This one at a school for magic, but that's really the point. That's just the rest of the relationships are like you would experience in any normal high school. So I really like that one. And that is Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. And then I decided to go <laughs> totally spooky and read The Air Affair by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, which is the sequel to The Royal We, which is loosely based on the Kate Middleton and Prince William romance. And the first book took you up to their wedding. This one starts right after and goes through their ups and downs of their first few years of marriage. And as you might guess, based on the title and also their position in life involves the search for an heir, or not the search, the struggle for an heir. So I keep thinking of these as romances and they're really not. I mean, certainly the second one, they're already together. So <laughs> there's, no, there's no question, really. These have more ups and downs and emotional kind of things that you would find in a more of a straight fiction book and not a romance. I feel like romance, there's generally, even if it deals with big themes, there's generally a lightness to it. This one is more, more of, I guess we'd call it women's fiction, which is kind of a, a goofy name for it. But yeah, so, but I enjoyed it. And it's kind of fun, you know, if you like going behind the scenes in, in royal life, <laughs> uh, they get, they get their, their apartment in Kensington Palace and have to redecorate 23 rooms that have, <laughs> have to be dealt with. <laughs> struggles. Um, and they get and it's cute and then they do cute things like they get to they they go on a tour of canada and america because she's she's american in this in this book series so there's some cute stuff and the struggles of dealing with the the press and the paparazzi and family relationships and whatnot so i i enjoy those books so that was the air affair by heather cox and jessica morgan and then i listened to dear girls by ali wong oh so good yeah, and I listen. She reads it, so that was that was fun. And she's from the Bay Area, so there was you know San Francisco yeah. stuff. So that was good too. And it's very. If you liked her specials, I imagine you will like this. Yeah. Very raunchy. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very laugh out loud. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, very good stuff. Um, yeah, don't listen to it with your kids in the room. No, Mm-mm. even though it is written for her daughters. Yeah, eventually, eventually <laughs> they'll get. And I like the part, her husband does a little section at the end. So that was nice too, to hear his voice as well. Dear Girls by Ali Wong. What is on your nightstand? 
Well, let's see. I've had one book on my nightstand for a really long time and I'm, I just don't think I'm going to finish it. And I think that that's okay. I, it's, it's called Cork Dork and it is a wine fueled adventure among obsessive sommeliers. And it's about this writer who kind of stopped everything to write this book and decided she would try to go through the test for becoming a sommelier. And it's really interesting and I don't know why I can't pick it up. It's supposed to be incredibly hard test. And she's hanging out with all these people who've taken it before and learning from them. And, and it talks about the crazy, you know, things that they do on test day and before they go tasting, do they, they not drink coffee? Some people have given up coffee to heighten their senses. It's all really interesting, but I don't know why I can't get through it. So it's been staying on my bedside table because I kind of want to finish it. And that's by Bianca Bosker. So I'm going to keep it on my bedside table. But maybe but start what, something else and then come back to it. Yeah. And if you um, don't I've started many things, <laughs> haven't okay. come back to it. But, um, but I want to. I'm still interested in it. Yeah. Um, and then on the bingo board, there were two squares. One of them was to read something published in the decade you were born, which was the end of the 60s for me. And then also to read something by a person of color. And so I found that I know why The Caged Bird Sing was written the year I was born. And I've always wanted to read it. And so I picked that up and read it in a week. It was great. And that also ends in the Bay Area. And Maya Angelou went to the high school that my younger daughter just started. Oh, and right. so that is really exciting. Yeah. And they're even considering, well, there's been a, a poll going around to see if people want to drop the name Washington and rename the high school Maya Angelou High School, which I think would be the coolest thing. Yeah. That was great. It's a great coming of age story. It ends kind of abruptly and I wished it had kept going. So I, I'm mm. sure there are other books about her life that I could pick up, but that was really great. And then I've been listening I've been listening. I've had a hard time picking up a book and reading, and I don't know why. I just listened to The Tattoo Artist of Auschwitz by Heather Morris, and that's a true story. It might have some fictional elements to it, but I know at the end of the book, there's an afterword, and the author talks about how the details that the gentleman the story is about gave were all accurate. Maybe there's a little creative license, but it's pretty much accurate dates and times and people who were there. And it's the story of a guy who was taken to Auschwitz and what he did to survive. And it's his survival story. And the story isn't so much about the concentration camps, though that's the setting. It's about this love story between him and this woman that he met, who he tattooed. He, he was in charge of tattooing the numbers on the people that arrived. Nothing that he wanted to do, but wanted to stay alive. So he did what he had to do. And who he not made friends with, but about the people that he met who are his friends and the people he had to work for and be respectful to, to survive. But it's more about the relationship of him and this woman and how it's, how the relationship survives and how they survive. And it's a, it's a really, it was a great story and it didn't, it's not a long book unless I liked it so much that I listened to it all the time because it went by really fast. And some <laughs> books seem to go on for a long time and this one went by really quickly. So I yeah. recommend that. I really like it. I do love reading about World War II. And this was a, just a different perspective. It was great. One of the things that Deb Perlman from Smitten Kitchen does from time to time is recommend books. Mm -hmm. And she recommended Notes from a Young Black Chef written by Kwame Anwache, yep. who I listened to this and loved every moment of this book. His life is so interesting. Oh, and... did he read it? Or did someone else read it? No, he reads it. Oh, yeah, so it's him narrating his story and it's his life as a child and into young adulthood up to opening his own restaurant. And it was such a great story. I had to go and watch Top Shelf because he's in episode, uh, season 13 of Top Chef and now I've become a complete addict. I'm binging all Top Chef seasons right now and I've got many to go. So that's kind of exciting. But that was a great story. So I recommend that. And then right now I'm listening to The Dutch House me too oh you are yeah it's super I'm so, i keep i what i'm so depressed oh it's not the happiest story and bad things sad things just happened and i'm i'm a little angry at a couple of characters yes, or a, so a certain character I said, so. yeah yeah i'm not too far into it but far enough and i'm trying to decide if i like it or not yeah it's definitely interesting and i think visually <laughs> because I'm not looking at anything, but there's great descriptions to picture the characters and the house. Yes, and anyways, I'm finding it 
I'm finding it interesting, but I don't know if I like it. Same. Yeah. yeah. I like listening to Tom Hanks talk. I do. I do. I thought it might bug me. A lot of people I had heard talk about this book. I think you guys, did Courtney read this? She read it. I think she, she actually read it, read it though. Because I've definitely heard about it from other yeah. people's Facebook posts or whatever, um, about how pleasant he was to listen to. And I do like Tom Hanks. And it's, it, it doesn't bother me that I know his voice. And it's pretty, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I will finish. I will finish listening. <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to say about what I was reading is that I picked up this, you know how at the checkout stand in your craft store, there's all sorts of crafting magazines. Yes. This called In Her Studio. I picked up at the beginning of the summer and it's like two or three pages on so many different artists and pictures of what their studios look like their philosophy on how their studio is and how it's stories about the spaces of a i think it's 20 plus inspiring women artists and i read half of it over the summer and so i still have half to go i'm waiting for some sunny days to sit in my backyard hoping that those are coming this fall it was great it was really inspiring it's fun for me to read about a place and an aesthetic and all the different art and craft that these women do. It was great. So I, I'll share that with you if you'd like to check it out. Yeah, you've got magazines. I, I love magazines and I, I love a magazine in my backyard on a sunny day <laughs> or, or in a hotel, but we didn't do too many hotels this summer. Yeah. So it was a lot of sort of backyard escaping. And I, I have many, many that I haven't gotten to because the weather's been so bad all of, July and August. But for the Kwame book, I wanted to say, because I didn't really talk about this, and I know we talked about it, but then you didn't really mention it just now. The food writing in there is also really good. I mean, his yeah. life story is amazing, but the food writing and when he talks about what he's creating, his thought process, and then there's recipes after at the end of every chapter. Oh, so, see, now, and I listened to it and not read it, oh. so I didn't, I mean, I know that they're there, but Oh, I didn't even check it out from the library. You don't get the recipes. Right. So yeah. So if you get the, the book book. I would recommend that. version. There's recipes in there as well. A lot of the ones that he talks about are just, you know, random stuff from like when he's cooking at a certain restaurant, it'll be one of the ones that he worked on there. So the food writing in there is also good, not just the life story, which is amazing. Wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So bingo. It's done. I mean, it's not done for us right now, but by the time you hear this, it will be done because I'm going to announce the winner in a few minutes. Yes, this is the final weekend. We ended on September 7th, which is Labor, Labor Day here in the U.S. Long oh, did I, miss, did I miss it again? No. So for us, we still have, whatever, four days. Monday is the last day. Okay, and what are we supposed to do when we're done? For those of us that are terrible listeners. <laughs> you post <laughs> a photo of your completed bingo card or, you know, with your completed row diagonal whatnot on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR, Summer Bingo 2020, or you can post it in the Ravelry group. And actually most of my completed ones that I have seen are on the Ravelry group. So well done, all of you. I've had a couple, at least one on Instagram. Yeah, we just need to see that you finished. That's all. It's not complicated. So Kelly, you need to do that. Well. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't want to, I don't want to admit this, but I've never hashtagged anything before and I'm not real familiar with how things work. You, you, out, you do the hashtag mark, the pound <laughs> symbol for us born in the earlier years. I know, I'm sorry. I, I'm super good at Facebook. <laughs> uh, yeah. so I take, a, I take a picture and I just type that out and then I, you post. Po yeah, you post the picture to, to Instagram and then in the, Comments, you write TC, hashtag TCRR, Summer Bingo 2020. All right. It's so embarrassing. You can do it. You I could totally, have your children, too, to help you. I could. I wouldn't want they to really make fun of me. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I am still not quite done. I feel like I am. I can do it if I make a push this weekend, if I go to Kelly's house and get those magazines and read them. But I did do my Disney recipe. And I sent a recipe to a friend. I sent, I sent one to Courtney, actually. She had been talking last time about the orange chicken for her that her other son wanted because she had done the broccoli beef 
And the other one wanted orange chicken for her restaurant recipe. Um, and I had kind of a, a non-fried version of orange chicken that I came across. So I sent that to her as, as a possible workaround if she didn't, didn't actually want to fry chicken bits. Although, I mean, that's a delicious way to go. Um, and I think that's all I've managed. But now I feel like I'm going to get that magazine. I don't know that I'm ever going to get to repair anything. I'll have to look for something. And I really my- wanted to do that one. That's one of my empty squares. The repair. I haven't repaired. <gasps> Ooh, I just remember. I just thought of something I could sew and fix. You know what I really wanted to do, Monica? And what? I have all the stuff to do it, but I never got to do it. What? Was to try shibori dyeing. Oh, right. I and mean, I have it all written out yeah. that I'm going to do that, but I've not done it. You have all weekend. I do. I think, and I was talking to our friend Telly about this, that it may not be a one-person job. Hmm. But one, you end up with a lot of stuff to dye, or a lot of dye, but like your batch is really big. Right. And oh yeah, almost more than one person could do in a session, I guess, a dyeing session, <laughs> that it would be a fun thing to do with a, a group of people, you know, three or four people to have a batch and everybody working on a different piece. And I actually have this, maybe I should have you all over this weekend for a distance shibori dyeing. Sure. Because I've got the dye and I bought flower sack towels. Oh, okay. So you have all of the supplies you just need. I have all the supplies. All right. Just haven't done it yet. I could wear a mask again. We could dye masks. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I haven't done that either. I think I already have my new my new technique. So what other what were your other highlights? You seem to have a lot of things out there. I do, I do. Let's see. I started many new projects. Oh, write a gratitude list. Look what I got. To keep myself organized, I bought a gratitude journal. Ooh. And it's a super blank book. I don't think it costs very much. And just it has a date and a couple lines, like three things to be grateful for on each day. And I don't do it every day, but I try to do it on many days a week. So I did keep track of things to be grateful for. I cooked a lot of Smitten Kitchen recipes and I made a strawberry freezer pie. Oh, yeah. And that was a big hit with the kids. And you sent me that recipe. I sent you that recipe. I just sent you another recipe too, by the way. The green beans just came your way. Oh, excellent. Um, What else were my highlights? I loved that I finally read I Know Why a Caged Bird Sings. And I love that it was published the year I was born. So that was kind of a fun, Yeah. let's see. Oh, I made some macrame for my father-in-law. He just, he, he had his house burned in the paradise fires. And so he moved recently to Chico and he had art over every inch of the walls of the house that burned. So I sent him a macrame piece for his new house. Pop that in the mail. Oh, what nice. was exciting. Yeah. Those are kind of my exciting ones. That sounds really good. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for playing. Hey, I like it because it's kind of an open-ended way to stay organized in the summer. Yeah. Especially a summer that has no trips, <laughs> no trips in it. There was lots of time. There was yeah. lots of time to do lots of things. So. Yeah. Well, we try and make it open-ended. And I had someone email me. This won't help you listeners because it's over now. But for next summer, <laughs> advertisement. And I forget who it was, um, but she emailed me and said, I know there's only like two weeks left, but I, I, I didn't think I would be able to do it. But I've been listening to the podcast and looking at what other people have been doing. And I think I might actually be able to do quite a few of them based on just what I've been doing. So can you send me a bingo card? And I said, sure. So I haven't seen if she's officially entered yet or not, but I mean, they're really, we try to make them pretty open-ended, not complicated, you know make it work however you can is kind of our goal. We want want people to feel successful and, and maybe try something new, you know, expand your horizons a little bit, but not get too stressed about it. So no, I thought it was great. And it kind of made for a schedule for the summer. It's nice sometimes if you have that so many choices to have something to focus in on to bring your bring down all the options. It helps <laughs> with focus. It was great. <laughs> focus is key. All right. And so Hello, everyone from Future Monica. It is Wednesday, September 9th, and I have just drawn our winner using a random number generator. We had 12 contestants, and the winner was number seven, Liz Looney on Ravelry. It was Liz from Sunnyvale, California, so hooray. And please get in touch with us so we can get your address and hoodie size so we can get your prize package out to you as soon as possible. 
can ping me on Ravelry or Instagram or use our craftcookreadrepeat at gmail email address. Any of those are fine. And congratulations and thanks again to everyone for playing. Hooray, winner. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! That's so exciting. That's great. Unless it's you, then you'll be really excited. <laughs> I'll be really happy. <laughs> Although you have to post. Okay. No, I will. I, I already just, I just tried it and we'll, we'll talk a little longer when we're done here. <laughs> cool. All right. So that's it. We'll see you in two weeks. Until then, make sure to do something you love every day. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for having me on again, Monica. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Bye. Hello, and welcome to episode 48 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Kelly. <laughs> Was I supposed to say that? No, yeah, yeah, it's totally what you're supposed to say. Okay. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.